Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode number 79, and our guest is Jeff Saleko, the Red Wing goaltending coach. And without further ado, we could uh, we could go on about Jeff. A lot of accolades that we could say about him, but let's just bring him in and uh, have him pump himself up. No, let's uh, let's just bring Jeff in. Jeff, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. No problem, Art. Happy to happy to do it and uh, talk Red Wings goaltending. Well, I, I've been wanting to have you on for almost a year. The last time we had you on was when you got the hole in one, and so uh, up in training camp. Uh, do you have you blown that way out of proportion? Now, do you keep talking about that? You no, know, that that ship sailed already. You know, I haven't had another one yet, but I will be playing uh, the Big Bear course uh, in a couple weeks in training camp. So you never know. Hole number three. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we, we we wish you the best. You're here uh, at the USA Hockey Arena in Plymouth, Michigan, home for the uh, development program, and uh, this is the uh, uh, Warren Stralo. Uh, training goalie camp. It's in its 11th season, a little different this year. Uh, we had Jimmy Howard on, on our last podcast. Uh, some pro goalies are here as well as some of the up-and-comers. Yeah, this is the first year we've done this. Uh, I've worked for USA Hockey uh, various camps over the years um, and it's the first year we've added uh, a pro segment of it, a pro division and actually, uh, you know, ironically enough, named Team Howard. Um, but we have 10, goalie, 10 goalies that have played pro here. Um, you know, Connor Hullabuck was slated to come out, but he went to a camp out in BC last week and just got back. But it's great having Jimmy here um, for these young kids, just for these young kids to, to be able to see him and watch him work and do some of the same drills to see how he handles himself. And, how, and for the other guys, Charlie Lindgren with Montreal and some of these other guys that are pros um, to see how they carry themselves. So it's great having them. Um, and, and just being able to watch them work uh, for the week. You know, the evolution, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that Jeff Jackson was taking me through the old cube uh, uh, even before the development program had started in, in its first year. But the evolution of, of USA Hockey is extraordinary. Yeah, you know what? They're, they're just taking great strides. They're progressing um, each and every year, and, and that's... Uh, you know, and that's obvious with the results they're getting. You know, that's it's really, you know, the, the World Juniors winning the U18s, winning these tournaments. Uh, like U.S. Hockey, you know, they're just they're moving the right direction. Um, and you see that, you know, with, uh, with what we call the goalie nation here. You know, like we're, it's a, it's a big thing. Is that the 51 and 30? You know, um, you know that that's our big uh, model right now. So by the by the year. 2030, you know, would have 51% of the minutes played in the National Hockey League by U.S.-born goaltenders. So, and is that the goal of this camp then, is to, be, because it's not skaters, this is exclusively a goalie camp. Correct, yeah, and there are other camps that we do with these development camps and national camps and the top 40 camps where it's, uh, you know, positional players and goaltenders. This here is strictly goaltenders. You're bringing in the top goalies, uh, not only in junior and in college age and pro, but the big part of it that it's always been has been the younger kids. You know, we've got kids here as young as 16, you know, 17, 18. A lot of kids that are draft eligible next season. So it's great to be out here. Uh, you see a lot of other scouts here. You know, Las Vegas is here, uh, Minnesota's here, um, you know, Carolina's here, um, I'm trying to think who else, but their team's here. You know, we have, you know, we're represented here this week, you know, just watching these guys, getting an early look at them before they start their season going to USHL or to college teams. And it's just not Jimmy Howard here. Uh, Keith Petrozelli is here from Quinnipiac, a Red Wing draft pick in the third round uh, in 2017. When we start breaking down the prospects, we'll, we'll get to Keith, but uh, 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 let's move on. And, uh, you know, I've talked to Brian Mahoney-Wilson a few times uh, uh, over this past year. You know, I've talked to you too, but uh, this is like official record, I guess, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of the Red Wing goaltending situation. I'd like to get your just evaluation and your assessment of where do you think the goaltending position is within the organization right now? Rebuilding, looking pretty good, future bright. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe a, a bit of a, your assessment. No, I think this is... I've been in the system now for six years with the Red Wings, um, you know, four years as a development coach and then two years. And it's going into my third year as the head goalie coach here. And I would probably say this is the most organizational depth we've had from top to bottom. Um, you know, we can start at the top with Jimmy. You know, obviously you've got a, a veteran guy who's an all-star. Um, I don't think we need to, you know, say much more than that. You know, we gave us 60 games last year. You know, a lot of them really good games, hard played games. Now we add a guy in Jonathan Bernier. Now you're adding a guy for three years. 
you know, some could say almost coming into his prime at 29, 30 years old. Um, he's probably been arguably one of the best backup goalies in the league the past two years with Anaheim and, and Colorado, respectively. So I think from at the NHL level, I think we're, we're in really good shape right now. Um, and then now we work our way down, um, you know, through the Grand Rapids with, with Harry Satari, another veteran guy we signed. Uh, I think he played close to 10 games with the Florida Panthers last year. And we can go from top to bottom. We've been drafting uh, two goalies last year. We've drafted a goalie for the previous, you know, five, six years before that. So I think you look at the number of goalies, you know, through draft picks that we've compiled, you know, at some point, some of these guys got to pan out, and, and, and I think like we do have some legitimate prospects now. You know, Jimmy said something uh, interesting when, when he was on our last podcast, is, and he's always told me this. He learns something every day. Uh, even though he's the, the veteran, you know, the, the gray beard in the room, uh, he, he still is developing. How has your job in developed? Because the position has kind of evolved in its, yeah. in, in its own right. Absolutely. The, the position from when Jimmy first started playing pro, I think about 13 years ago with Grand Rapids, it's evolved. It's evolved and you have to stay progressive, at, not only as a, as a coach, as a player. Uh, you know, I've had to be progressive. Certain, the way we play certain situations has changed. And I, all I can tell you is Jimmy's be, become a really good student of the game. Like he wants to get better. He's inquisitive. He asks questions. He's open to, to trying new things. He's very receptive. Um, you know, in regards to a lot of things, whether you know whether it's video, whether it's certain situational plays, um, you know, it was probably three years ago, right before I got the job. You know, I still had the development job and and working for, with and for Jim Bedard, who's you know a good friend of mine, and uh, and and Jimmy'd come to me. You know, we were actually at Jim Bedard's daughter's wedding, say his wedding in Niagara Falls, and he took me aside, and you know, at this point, he'd lost a job to Peter Mrazek, and that was well documented and uh, you know when he for all intents and purposes could have been on the cusp of you know I don't say being bought out but maybe being out of the league you know or, or being a journeyman goal exactly right? you know or, or maybe finding his way out of Detroit and and he he asked he wanted me to be forthright with him and a question he asked me he said to me so what do I need to do to get this job back you know he wants to stay in the league he wants to be a starting goalie and that's his personality and his makeup you know he wasn't happy losing that job to Peter and, and to Peter's credit Peter had an unreal run that year, the second half of that year, and um, and had to earn the job. You know, I don't want to say it was that how he played poorly. He probably played average, wasn't great, but Peter played really well. So Jimmy wasn't happy with that, and he asked me, and you know, I'm tiptoeing around it because I'm like, here's a guy that, you know, I don't coach him. Jimmy coaches him, but, and he, you know, I gave, and he, I finally gave him my honest opinion. He kind of kept pushing, pushing, and I, I gave him three to four things. It was actually four things that I thought he could get better at. And you know what? Then I got the job a month later, you know, unbeknown to me. And we put a plan in place. I said, okay, here's the four things we identified. I got the easy job. Mm -hmm. Here's what we need to work on. I can put the drills in place, but he has to put the work in. He's got to be willing to buy in, and he's got to execute that. So he has a tough, the tough part was put on him, and, and uh, he was all in. He bought in. Chris Osgood had to reinvent himself. Jimmy had to reinvent himself to a certain degree. As a coach, how difficult, and I th you've touched on this, but maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on this, is that how difficult is it for you to convince a player that, quote-unquote, you have to reinvent yourself? Yeah, and I wouldn't even say reinventing as much as it was. Like Jimmy, had, he's got some great physical attributes, and like we talk about the position changing, and... You know, he had to make some subtle changes to his game. Some a little, some a little more extreme than others. Uh, you know, the way he played. You know, he liked to play very aggressively. Well, he can't. You know, his not only with how he was getting older in age, but the way the game was playing. You know, for him to play that aggressively, it was it was getting tough for him. He was putting himself in some awkward spots, some tough spots. It wasn't giving him a himself as much of a chance on seconds and thirds, you know, like mm -hmm. opportunities. So we just, you know, we adjusted his depth a little bit, started playing some situations a little differently. Um, you know, we were working on, you know, the traffic situations for him, you know, not being a an overly tall guy, guy himself. You know, we had to, you know, kind of, you know, to kind of change the way we played in, in dealing with traffic a little bit. And then situations around what we call post-play, wraparounds, jams, or any walkout plays or any kind of sharp angle shots to the way we kind of seal the post off. And that was a big thing with him 
Um, you know, and it was a big thing with me, you know, trying to learn a new concept that a Swedish guy starts talking about four years ago. And right. now we got to try and implement that. Everybody's, everybody's doing it. Well, now it's tougher with the older guys to get them to break habits. And I still see it in the league right now with guys like Craig Anderson and, you know, Luongo and guys like that. It's tougher for older guys that are to try and make those adjustments and to make those changes to your game. And for Jimmy, I, I think it's almost one of his strengths now. When I look at the, some of the things we've done, I'm like, wow, he's really, he's really improved in those situations, and he's he's not getting beat in those situations. And you know, so I take some solace in that. But again, like I, for me, it's just, yeah, I you know, I educated myself on it. Here are the drills that I think a core set of drills that will work to to help him get better at that. And then he's got to work, and he puts the reps in and puts the reps in. He studies it. He watches video. I've got a text from him at night or a call from night. He's watching a game on his TV. He's watching one whistle playing. He's like, what do you think of that save? What do you think of that save? And that's a regular occurrence. And that's how I know there's a guy that's a student of the game. So Jimmy's not playing Fortnite then? Jimmy's not playing Fortnite. His kids are a little young, but give him another two or three years. <laughs> like my kids, and uh, maybe they're doing that. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you've, you've opened up me. Uh, my mind is just like flowing with I want to ask you so many questions, Jeff. But, uh, yeah, uh, again, and I want to get to this, and, and, and then we'll get into to, to, to the goaltenders, I promise. But goaltending equipment has been such an issue. And I look at it from, my gosh, the way that they have advanced in sticks and torque and technology, they're firing missiles at these guys. Why are they picking on the goalies, or is that just me? Do you think that they have to crack down on goaltending? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't think they have to crack down on it. I think the league would like to see more scoring. I mean, uh, that's, that, that's probably no secret at all. Um, the goalies keep getting bigger, stronger, quicker at a younger age. And like, you see it out here with these young kids. They're huge. I'm, I'm <laughs> six foot one. I'm on the ice, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, oh, what are you feeding these kids? But these kids are 16 years old, and they're they're huge. You look at our draft picks, you know, Brodstam 6'5", Ellison 6'3", Larson 6'2", and half. Like, these guys are all big, you know, and they're huge. And um, you're right, the technology of the sticks, the advances they've made with the sticks, we keep getting, you know, the pads have gotten narrower. Last year was the pants that got smaller. Now this year it's the, the upper body protection, the chest protector. So now they're, it's, you know, the, the, the boxiness of them or the, the little extra added padding, it's we're getting it's contoured it's like a tailored suit now everything's rounded and it's based on your body frame so i think you're going to find guys that are more slender and skinnier that don't have a lot of the mass are going to have a hard time filling as much net you know jimmy fortunately he's a he's very broad he's strong he's muscular he's going to have a he's probably going to fill a little more net when he's on his knees and his butterfly because he's going to have more blocking surface um so we'll see i know guys are complaining now we're just trying it out right now there's, there's spots, I guess, that are they're getting hit. There's spots with the elbow or the shoulders. I, you know, I just talked to a, a, a goalie coach today about it. So you, we'll see how this goes because with the NHL Player Association, there's a fine line between, you know, protection and, and net coverage and almost cheating, if you will. But when you've been at a, for, you know, you're wearing something for so long, I know it's a mental thing to get over. I know Peter had a tough time last year trying to work through getting smaller pants you know was his pants got smaller now is it in your head a little bit right now all of a sudden you look at these chest pads getting considerably smaller or contoured um you know, does that mess with the guy's psyche you know well you know and that's my point and i guess i'm going to just quickly follow up on this is that shouldn't the goalies have their own union because they, they don't seem to get represented that well if you ask me no and you know what and that's that's a great question and it, it would make sense and Maybe that opens up a can of worms. And do you have a union for forwards, for D, or for whatnot? But it, I, I would like that. I would like that. You know, for sure to have somebody in our corner on our side. You know, I know Kay Whitmore works for the league, and he has a job to do. They pass something. The league passes something at the owners' meeting about this making smaller. You know, chest pads getting smaller, or whether it's pants, and he's got to sign off on everything. Goes from the the equipment manufacturers go right to him to the league. He's got to sign off on it, initial the gear. Then it gets sent to us. So I know he's in a tough spot being an ex-goalie, ex-NHL goalie. He crossed over to the league side, so I don't know how many friends he has in the goalie union in these days. But <laughs> um, Final question on this. Do you think Garth Snow regrets the day he was he wore those things that I don't even know what they were at that yeah. point, but, you know, the, the uplifted shoulder <clears throat> pad that came over his head. Because uh, yeah, that was when I really think the crackdown started. Yeah, I don't know if he regrets it. I, I think that a lot of other goalies, you know, that you can point fingers or he was it was him or if it was Patrick Wall at 
the stories I hear about the webbing underneath the jerseys. Right, right, exactly right. And guys were wearing 60-plus size jerseys. You know, uh, Garth Snow, I'd heard rumors that it was shoulder pads, players' shoulder pads with cups on top of his, on top of the actual goalie pad. You know, It was frightening. It, it almost looked like he almost looked like a transformer or something. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And he is a big guy for sure, and he was, you know, but it, not that big, you know. So <laughs> right. at some point, they, the league looks at that, and, you know, and a lot of guys were getting away with stuff like, if there was no rules at the time, why wouldn't you know? Like the the old cliche, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? right so right. it's you want to get as big as you can in the net. And I know I was in that era playing in the minor leagues when I had pads that were probably 15, 16 inches wide. And I had a blocker that was this wide, and and everything was bigger, you know. So uh, I I think we're in a, a pretty good spot right now. I don't like them doing the, the chest protectors like they are now. I don't think the pads can go any smaller right now. Uh, or narrower, I think we're at a good spot with that. You know, they they the glove and blocker. So I, you know, I just think if we could just keep it where we're at here, just let's face it, we're going to probably be having this discussion in six to eight to ten years, and we're going to be playing with bigger nets. You know, so then what? Does the goalie's gear get bigger? Do we? What do we do now? Two feet wider nets or higher nets? Um, so you know, who knows? I don't open a whole new discussion. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously it's it, it, it's not it's still unresolved, and it's always yeah. going to be maybe a topic of discussion as as long as there's a National Hockey League, which we both think will be forever. But uh, you mentioned him a couple times, and and I wasn't going to go there, but I, I think because you've mentioned him, I think people listening listening to the Red and White Authority are probably thinking Peter Morazak. I know he's in Carolina. Uh, you know, he had that tremendous run. Uh, and then the bottom just seemed to fall out. Uh, and I know you can't, you know, he's other teams' property yeah. now, and I don't want to yeah. put you in a bad yeah. spot, but I guess for lack of a better question, what happened? Because it just seemed that he was on the cusp of greatness. You know, you know Peter's game, you guys have watched him play a lot of years. It's, it's a lot of it is confidence-driven. And, you know, people have used the word moxie or swagger, and when he's on, he's on. You know, there. Not unlike a lot of goalies, but his highs were pretty high. He's that guy. He's got the capability to get hot and to ride the wave. And you know his his lows got pretty low. You know, and not being a big guy, for me, I saw him when things started when he started to struggle a little bit. You know, gotten a little smaller, made himself smaller. Um, Peter has an elite elite athleticism. He's got a good skill set. Um, you know, for him. He really needed to to focus on the things he needed to get better at to work at. You know, like, I think it, for him the big thing was his positional play. You know, if he's not on his marks, you're in trouble. If he's playing a little too aggressively, got in trouble, get a little loose. Um, so when he, you know, he started to make strides. I thought last year, like we finally traded him. I think he was on a five and two run, mm -hmm. playing really well for us when we traded him to Chicago, uh, or sorry, to Philadelphia. I remember the game in Chicago. He had the shutout. Um, but I think, you know, I hope he does real well in, in Carolina. You know, now he's on a one-year deal, you know, big pay cut. So I think if there's ever a time for him to dig in and to really kind of get his game back, I think you'll, you'll, you'll either see it now or, you know, maybe, you know, it won't happen. You know, I'm known as Captain Obvious, so he's kind of reached a point maybe where Chris Osgood reached, Jimmy Howard reached. He's there now, and it's pretty much up to Peter Morazic at this point. Yeah, yeah, you know what, and... Um, you know, I thought last year he did a better job of coming into training camp in better shape as opposed to two years ago coming in after the World Cup. He wasn't in great shape. Um, so I think that's a part of it. And uh, it was tough for Peter because I, I think Peter had never really played that backup role. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, last season, he became a, you know, he was a backup goalie after the, the season Jimmy had the year before, albeit in a condensed season with his, with his knee injury. Um, so that was tough for him, you know. It's it's tough for guys to that have always played a lot of games, whether for him in Ottawa 67s in the OHL, Grand Rapids um, in the American Hockey League, he played, and mm -hmm. now all of a sudden to not play for six, seven, eight games in a row, something, you know, we got to a point where I think it was like eight or nine games in a row he didn't play at one point, and it's tough, you know, it's tough, and you really your practices become your games. And and I and I with, with that being said, he did get better in practice last year. I thought he, he worked harder and he was he was buying in and, and whatnot. So when he, I thought he was in a pretty good spot when he went to Philly and he played some good games for him. Um, obviously not enough for them to to, to bring him back, but um, it's a clean start from fresh start and um, hopefully it works out for him. Not at our expense, but you know. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I think we all wish him the best. You know? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, if you wore the red, if you wore the red and white, I think Red Wing yeah. fans still follow your career. And and you know, unless you're playing Detroit, they they hope yeah. that uh, you know that that you have a, a good career. Um, I talked to Jimmy about this, and you know, he was a little hesitant. I, I thought last year maybe he got a little tired. I mean, he did play a lot of games there. Uh, once Peter was traded, and, and you know, and 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 Jared Coro, you know, kind of struggled a little bit up here too. Uh, Let's go to Jonathan Bernier. Uh, maybe more of a 52-30 split or something that he – do you project him being a backup, but a backup who's going to play quite a bit because, you know, obviously Jimmy being, you know, being a little bit older may need a few more maintenance days than he did when he was younger. I, and, and that's only my assessment, and I'm certainly not trying to cast aspersions about Jimmy Howard because he'll do whatever it takes yeah, to win. Yeah, he'll, he'll play whenever. Uh, right. You know, first of all, Jimmy did a great job for us last year. I thought uh, 60 games is a lot for anybody in the league, let alone a 34-year-old. Um, and those were a lot of those, a lot of those games were grinds. You know, the, obviously where our team was at, um, the league itself with the parity, there's – there are no games that are. I mean, there's no tap-ins. Right. <laughs> they were all playoff games for us. Um, you know, up to really when we were eliminated, and there, it, the one-goal games. I don't know if the, what the number is, but how many one-goal games? Uh, the Red Wings lost 27 one-goal games. I mean, not all of them in regulation. I think 14 of them, but so they got points so, in 13 of the defeats. But still, you kind of turn. I, I look. I've talked to every Red Wing player. I mean, everyone is well aware that they lost 27 one-goal so, games. So a third year. of our games, essentially. Yes. Or one goal game, so the, the 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 taxation on you, not only physically but mentally and emotionally, going into those, you know, trying to get through that those games, it's tough. You know, like it used to be back in the day. I'm sure you guys have lived it with the Red Wings when we won all those cups, and maybe there was no salary cap, and we're free wheeling. Mr. Eyes got his pocketbook going, but. How many games that you can remember winning six one or five two or seven? You know they were. They could blow. turn it on. That those teams could turn it on. They when could they turn it the on. Goal, they found. But they, they were also it. the bottom feeders of the league that you right. always knew right. you could go. You know, okay, this, we got Columbus. You know, back in their early years. You know, you're gonna. It's a tapping. You know, here right. you got whoever it was Buffalo or you know whoever at that time Arizona's or you know Florida's when Tampa's when they went through it. Right. You don't have that anymore. Like there, no. there's not a bad team in the league. You know, obviously some are a lot better than others. Look at our division. What a like, man! It's, it's from top to bottom. Like, there, Buffalo got better. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, Toronto got better. You, you know, you bring Tavares, and like, we're going to be in it again this year. Like, we know our goaltending. We're going to need nine, fifteen, or better as a team. You know, we're going to need those save guys. percentage. You're save percentage. Yes, correct. And I think bringing a Jonathan Bernier in. You know what? And I don't like to put a number right now. Fifty thirty-two, fifty-two thirty. If if Bernie is going up for some reason, Howie's not. Maybe it's forty forty. Maybe Howie's our guy, right. but you know we need to win. And Jonathan Bernie is showing that he has the potential to get hot. Last year he was won nine in a row for Colorado, and I think he was he was I think the reason they get in the playoffs. That stretch when Varlamov gets injured, he carried him the, uh, the year before in Anaheim. It was something crazy like fifteen and three when Gibson goes down, he gets them into the playoffs. And it's like he has that neck. And I'm hoping we're in the discussion where. You know, like he helps us like that to help us get us into a spot. Like if he's a backup goalie and can go and can win 18, 20 games for us. And I'm not saying he, I hate to use the term backup goalie. Who knows how this season's going to go? You know, I hope Jimmy can come out of the gate strong, and I hope we have the best one-two punch in the league. You know, and then we're looking at like they're going to give us a chance to to maybe fight for that playoff spot. You know, again, you've you've touched my curiosity. You you've talked about in in, in all of professional sports, regardless of the sport, guys go on runs. You know, guy hits you know ten home runs in ten games or whatever. You go, but goaltending, and, and you know, you, I'm thinking of Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar, yeah. that run with Ottawa. I didn't even realize this was the guy. I think I covered at Bowling Green. <laughs> I was like, "Well, it's the same guy." I mean, whatever happened to him? And bam, you know, he he bursts on the scene. Why is that, Jeff? How can especially that position? Because when your goalie's hot, obviously your team's doing very very well because yeah. you're winning. I mean, it's such an essential position. But is is it is it all as you said when you talked about Peter Mrazek? Is it all confidence? What because when a goalie is, is you know you know you know hey. The net's yours until <laughs> until you lose it, yeah. and very rarely do they lose it. Or if they do, it's like 20, 30 games in. Yeah. It's extraordinary. Oh yeah, like confidence is a it's a huge, huge factor. It's 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 so deceptive. Like 
You have no confidence. Two years ago, Peter, he struggled with confidence. Mm -hmm. The team we struggled. The team feeds off that. It starts from the net out. They sense a guy's feeling it. He's got confidence. Now he wins the game. Now he wins two, three. You know what I mean? That's a huge thing for us, you know. Um, and, 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 like, we need that, you know. And now it goes hand in hand. The team, you know what, maybe as a goalie, you're struggling. The team picks you up one game. Bam, we win a game. And then it, and it can snowball from there. You know, it's contagious. And I, I just think that, you know, I look at it with uh, with Jimmy was, you know, what is it? We came in last year. He'd won five in a row going into the bye week. Right. Worst time that bye week comes around. Now we come out of the bye week, he lost five in a row. You know, in his it's momentum and, you know, it's, I'm kind of lukewarm on this whole bye week thing. You know, had right. we lost five in a row, maybe it's a good time to, to get a break. Right. You know, but Jimmy was playing so well and his game was, at, you know, was at such a high level. Um, you know, so it, that I think Jimmy's showing the ability to get hot as well. Um, and, you know, back to what you we touched on earlier, did we ride him a little too hard? I think... We front-loaded him a lot. You know, he was, first half of the season, he played a lot of games. Um, Peter got hot, the, you know, after the bye week, and that's when we played Peter a little more. And then, obviously, we played Jared Crow down the stretch when, um, you know, we were out of it, and we wanted to get a closer look at him to see, you know, are we going to resign him? Can he be, does he have that NHL backup uh, potential? And it, Which I'm not saying, he, you know, he doesn't. He just, he, he didn't play great for us, and, you know, I still believe in him, but that's, it's a whole other story. Right. Uh, I want to, um, Jonathan Bernier, you know, Carter Hutton, you know, whether there's a few guys that we heard were in the mix. And when you decide, okay, let's go for Bernier, do you have a history with him? Did you know him? Do you call Colorado's goaltending coach or guys that you know around the league that have a bit of a history with him? Do you have to do a lot of homework, I guess, before you go to Kenny Holland or whomever and say, Bernier's the man? To answer all those questions would be yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was, we have that week before free agency starts, and it's it affords us to be able to, you know, Kenny will talk to agents. I and I call coaches. I, you know, I the, actually Sudzi, the goalie coach for Anaheim. I called, reached out to him, and I know him a bit. He's a real nice guy, well respected around the league, and he couldn't say enough good things about him. You know, uh, well, what a pro he is. His work ethic. He said, he said of all the guys ever coaches, this guy is the best pro he's ever coached. You know, I take that, you know, as are strong words. Joe Sackick, I was in the uh, in the office with Ken Holland with our staff when he calls Joe Sackick, Ken does, and he can't speak highly enough. Whenever I talk to players and I call a couple guys I know in Anaheim and they tell me all about him. And it's just like, you know, we couldn't go wrong with him. And those were the two top guys on my list coming to the pro school meetings were Bernie and Carter Hutton. Um, I tried to reach out to Carter Hutton. He didn't, you know, he didn't get back to me. I think he'd had the deal in place with Buffalo already. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, you know, we had a, you know, kind of a short list from there. But those were we wanted one of those two guys, and actually we got you know, the guy at the top of our list, and uh, you know, couldn't be happier to have him here. Is it important for and because I'm used to Red Wing goalies actually getting along with one another. You know, yeah. so there's only two, and you know, and they're the only two on the whole team. Uh, it, it, it appears what Bernier said in his conference call when he signed with Detroit, what Jimmy told me earlier today on, on, on our first podcast, is, is that they're kind of looking forward to playing with one another and learning from one another. I, I agree. I know uh, I talked to Jimmy today about, um, about Jonathan, and he said that they've been texting a bunch and, uh, and communicating, and I think that Right now, I can tell you, I know Jimmy. I know his makeup and his work ethic, and it seems to be Bernier's that same mold, which I'm, I'm excited to have two guys that are going to go and they're going to push each other. And I'm not saying we def didn't necessarily have that in the past, but to this extent. But, uh, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun for me. It's, I think it's a breath of fresh air. You know, sometimes things get stagnant, and I think it's fresh fresh start for Peter and, and a fresh start here for us as, as the organization and to have him locked up for three years it'll take him to 32 years old and uh, maybe 33 um, so I'm really looking forward to it he's he, you know he came down to I took him uh, we took him out to dinner there and when he was looking for houses a few weeks ago and um, when he first came to town and he was in the gym in the morning 6 30 every day at the gym down there down down in the, the arena I'm like well, that's pretty impressive when he's there with his wife and his son and he's Staying all the way out, you know, in Troy, and he driving downtown to get his workout in. So I, I was pretty impressed by that, and uh, 
and Jimmy and him, I know they'll get along and they'll push each other, and uh, they're both great teammates. And that's why guys like that ex can can ex you know can exist and and uh, sustainability in this league for that long. You know, really. So certainly at the NHL level, it looks like the Red Wings are in good shape this upcoming season. It, it certainly sounds that way. Let's move now to some of the prospects, and you've mentioned a few of them, but let's uh, let's go first with Patrick Rebar, I believe is how he says. Patrick Rybar. Yeah. Rybar. Okay. Rybar. Uh, uh, he is impressive. Uh, I know the Red Wings signed him. They needed some goalie depth. He will be in Grand Rapids sharing uh, the net with uh, Hari Sitari. Yeah. Let's go with Patrick okay. first. So Patrick, yeah, he just arrived in Detroit this week. I think he skated this morning down at uh, the practice facility at Belfort there. So, yeah, you know what? He's a Slovakian kid that played in the, the Czech League. Um, I believe he's 24 years old now. and Good size to him, real good size to him, moves well. Um, he's a guy that uh, you know we feel and our scouts feel and, and Brian and I from the video we watched of him that he can he can play in the American Hockey League. He played in the World Championships here for Slovakia this past year in uh, in May. Um, it was a great experience for him. So you know it's going to be a little transitional phase for him coming over to a smaller rice surface. Um, you know there, there might be some trials and tribulations, but we think he's a little more ready to to come over than you know guys we've maybe had in the past. Um, and I'm excited to, to see where his game goes, you know, and he's going to be good hands with Brian down there. Brian will be working with him uh, on a weekly basis. And um, so, yeah, you know what, like, uh, I think the depth we have, kind of moving into talking about Satari, um, it, for me, he's an NHL goalie. You know, he was right. on my list of guys on my free agent list that I thought, well, this is a guy that, you know, he played well. He beat us in Florida this year. He beat us, I think it was 3-1 maybe. Um, he's a guy that I look at and... Um, He's an NHL goalie, and he he feels it too. So he, you know, he signed into a situation where, you know, like, hey, we need a guy to come up. We got a, we got Hari Satari there. Like we could, you know, feel pretty good shape with him coming up to play games. If you know, if we have unfortunate injury to, to Howie or to to Jonathan, um, so that's that's a pretty good for us to have a, a, a guy that's been a veteran in the minor leagues in the American Hockey League. He's playing the KHL. He's got a, you know, now he's played a, he's got a, a taste of the NHL. He played about ten games with Florida Panthers last year. Um, so you know what, moving forward, you know, hopefully he goes down there and he, he's dominant, and we can work Patrick in, so we don't have to throw him to the fire to play, you know, fifty games down there. Um, but and it kind of to kind of work him along. Right. So Satari's on a one-year deal. Yeah. Uh, Rebar is on a uh, is on a two-year deal. Yeah. So. At the Grand Rapids level, again, because, you know, you, you, know, you lose Jared and you lose Tom McCollum, uh, and I know Grand Rapids is going through a transition, but it seems that there is stability at the AHL, uh, AHL level, too, and Satari could be, you know, you know Captain Obvious, Mr. Cliche here, the kind, maybe, maybe a diamond in the rough. I mean, he could actually be, uh, because I, I know from doing scouting reports on the Panthers last year, and with Luongo being hurt, they, you yeah. know, I, I was surprised he was available. I'll be honest with you. I, I was too, actually. That uh, Florida went with Michael Hutchinson on a one-way down there. I think they gave him, some, uh, I mean, one point two million. So they 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 kind of went a different route. But I knew that there were other teams that were hot on Hari, and and, and we needed to and pull the trigger. I didn't think we'd get both him and Bernie. The day we're sitting in free agency, and, and we both got him the same day. Commitments from him the same day was huge. Um, you know, I think at some point, you know, over the course of a season, you need your third goalie to come in and play for you. You know, uh, hopefully there's no injuries, but um, you know, Jimmy did a great job of taking care of himself last year when injury free. But you never know; it right. could be something minor, it could be major, it could be a fluke. Um, you know, Jonathan had a concussion um, last season, so he's fine now. But you never know what happens with that. So. Um, I think Grand Rapids is in great shape. We've been, we've been blessed down there to have real good goaltending since I've been a part of the system with both those guys, with Jared Crow and Tom McCollum, you know, Peter Mrazek down there. We've had some, some really good goalies um, down in the American Hockey League. So we're going to continue that. Um, you know, we always put a good product on the ice, and, you know, and they're, they're guarded pretty well down there, insulated pretty well as well. Uh, last year at development camp, he was. I remember talking to, to you a little bit about him when it was up in Traverse City. Caden uh, uh, Fulcher, who earned himself a contract with the Red Wings and uh, uh, went and won the, the Memorial Cup. It appears where he's at in his development, he's slated to play a lot in the ECHL and be Toledo's goaltender. 
Yeah, he's going to be one of the goalies in Toledo for sure. He had a great run this year, um, winning the OHL and making, you know, they made the Memorial Cup, they lost in the finals. Right, right. Um, but um, yeah, what a great year for his development. He was, a, uh, you know, for us to, for him to go undrafted and to come into our development camp last year and then to the prospect tournament, you know, we had a window where we need to make a decision to sign him and it's looking to be a pretty good decision right now. Um, you know, with their scouts and the, in the decision we've made to, to sign him to an NHL contract. Um, I'm excited. I think that would be a great spot for him to go to Toledo. Uh, we have another goalie there, Pat Nagel, who's on an American League deal. And to be a veteran guy, you know, Nagel won, Nags won, I think, 37 games down there this year. And he's a, he's a true pro. He's gonna be, he'll be 31 here in a couple of weeks. So he's you got a guy there to, to almost help him, to guide him along when Beamer's not there, to, you know, on a consistent basis. Um and also, you know, he's not going to have to play every game. You know, every you know normally we play every second game. Our our prospect goes down there and is going to get close to forty games. It's a it's a great situation, um, and as a stepping stone to get to the American Hockey League to, to Grand Rapids. You've seen a lot of teams now putting a young contracted uh, goalie in the in the East Coast League. Um, you don't have to raise you know up whether it's Parsons this year with um, you know with Calgary, and mm-hmm. you see these guys they put time in the East Coast League. There's no uh, there's no race for these guys. There aren't many kids that can come out of there ready. That's a big jump from junior hockey to the American Hockey League. Right. So, and, and Caden's in a real good spot. Yeah. Good coaching staff down there. Dan Great. Watson, Andy Delmore. Great stuff. Uh, you know, they, they seem to put together a pretty good team yeah. each and every season. So, uh, uh, he'll be cutting his teeth in the ECHL. I guess the next progression for Caden Fulcher would be maybe Grand Rapids the next year. Yeah, that would be, like, in a, in a perfect world, like, that would be our plan. Like, uh, if all goes as planned, now obviously there's a numbers game there, and you know we're gonna, you know, it's so far to look ahead to see what's gonna happen where Ryber will be, where Satari will be, um, you know. So, you know what, competition's good, depth is good, uh, you know. This is a good problem to have, uh, you know, moving forward. You know, let's um, go with Jordan Van uh, Pottelberg, whom was offered a deal by Detroit, decided to turn it down, enjoys his life in, in Switzerland, who wouldn't, I guess, plays for Davos, yet this is it for him. I mean, you, you know, he really has to perform well to, to get to earn a contract with Detroit. So a, a real big season yet. Uh, he came to development camp. I mean, he's, he wants to be here. So where do you think he's at at this point? Well, I think... You know, part of it is tough for a young kid, a European kid. He, you know, he probably wants to stay home. His family's there. You know, he's a Swiss kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he's making more money over there in that league, you know, tax-free than he would make in the American League here. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that has something to play into it. Um, and you know what? It's disappointing. He did turn us down because um, he's a guy we'd like to get over now. He's 21. You know, he's going on 22 now. Like, to be honest with you, there might not be a spot for him at this time next year. You know, like now we're looking at a case with some of these other guys with Philip Larson going to Denver. Like, uh, you know, there's some, there's a rule, there's a little loophole there that we may have to make a decision on him. Oh, really? Losing his rights, and you know, that's you know, not for me to decide. That's uh, you know, and he's a legitimate prospect for us. So, you know, um, Joran, like he's been over to a couple of development camps and. It's tough because we can't get over there on a consistent basis. You know, Beamer went over this year to see him for the first time, and um, we don't have as much say over there coaching him as we would over here. And he's got his own goalie coach over there, and he likes to do things his way. So that that's a little bit of a, you know, little bit of a. I guess it's frustrating for us to have that obstacle to kind of overcome. Um, whereas we, uh, you know, the the Swedes we drafted, we have a, you know, Massier swatches are our Swedish goalie scout and uh, he works for us over in, in Europe and he's right there so you know we feel like we got a couple sleepers and those guys over the years right now starting with you know with Larson and obviously with Ellison and with uh, Victor uh, Rotman this year as well. Uh, let's let's move on you m- mentioned Philip Larson uh, you know kind of a joker likes to have a little bit of fun uh, from when he was at uh, development camp in 2017 when I first met him uh, had a great year in the USHL, got hurt, but set all kinds of records. You know, and he's going to the University of Denver. Uh, again, I'm under the impression that if you had to take just, pro- let's say prospects, just pure uh, prospects, that he would be considered maybe the Red Wings' top goalie prospect at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, he's goalie of the year last year in the USHL, and, uh, you know, Falch was goalie of the year in the OHL, but um, he's going in a good situation in um, Denver. Uh, they graduated a senior, and actually the other kid just decommitted and is going back to the USHL, the uh, Dayton Rasmussen kid they had there. So he's going to go in and he might play. He might play forty games next year. Like he's going to get a chance. He's going to get every opportunity. To, and he's healthy now, right? I mean, you know, yeah, he's yeah, he's, yeah, stuff. yeah. It's, he's healed up, so he's going to go in and, um, you know, I think probably more of a challenge for him getting acclimated to the student life in North America. You know, he's been out. He's been out of school now for a bit, and it's it's a whole different ball game. So that that's could be a little bit of a hurdle, but um, we're excited to watch him there. You know, we can you know obviously get on the ice with him there in, in Denver. As per NCAA rules, but uh, he's definitely a guy we're going to watch closely. And you know, I don't know how long he'll be in college or how long he can stay there legally. But you know, he, we could be looking in a year that he could be a, a pro for us. You know. Well, again, you know, I, I think way too much about this stuff, Jeff. I guess I maybe a great timeline for him would be excel at Denver, good program, obviously. Yeah. Boom, go to Grand Rapids next year. Two years from now, we're talking about he's knocking on the door here in Detroit. I mean, yeah. it, 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 is it a distinct possibility, or am I just dreaming? No, it's it's possible for sure. He's uh, 20, you know, that would put him at 22, 23, you know. So we don't know what's going to happen, and, and we've never really rushed our goalies, you know. Um, you know, Jimmy was a good prospect, played a couple years in Grand Rapids, you know, for us, how he did. And, um, you know, so so we'll see. Like, he could fast-track. He, I think he was better than... Uh, I want to say better than that league, but he was pretty good for that league last year mm-hmm. that he was in. But you know now the rules have changed with the you know with major junior letting European goalies import goalies back in the league and in right. the, the Canadian Hockey League with uh, the OHL and the QMHL and uh, the, the WHL. So you know like some of these other younger guys we've drafted, you know that could be a you know it could be a possibility for them too an option uh, down the road. Keith Petrozelli, he's here at this camp. He met Jimmy Howard for the first time and uh, uh, was excited about it. Uh, by his own admission, struggled mightily to get used to something that Philip Larson may have a trouble getting used to, yeah. being an actual student and a hockey player at the same time. Looks what whatever troubled Keith last year, he's rectified, switched his major, and appears to be on a good course at this point. Yeah, you know what? Um, you know what? People don't realize with with Petro, he went in as a true freshman at 18 right. years old. A lot of kids don't do that. Like Philip won't be a true freshman. You know, he's gonna have uh, you know different things to overcome there with the language barriers and whatnot. But for Petro, he went in, and and sometimes these kids, he's riding a high, coming off of Muskegon, played a real good year, and he continued to get better as the season went on. Then he gets drafted fairly high, and you know he's in the third round, and you know everything kind of hit a really good development camp for us. So. He he may have in his mind thought things would be easier than what they were, um, and and it wasn't. You know he he had some struggles, you know in terms of with schooling and handling you know managing you know managing an everyday college schedule and you know now we're talking about working out and putting the extra work in and stuff like that and um, you know he's you know he's he's got a you know it's a sophomore year this year so we want to see him be better you know in in those departments in. Uh, and also on the ice, we want to you know we want to hear a little more positive feedback from him. And coming back from the World Junior Camp now, and he, you know he had played a real good game there, the one game, and had a tough one against Canada. So, you know, we'd love to see him nail down one of those three spots for Team USA. Whether that happens or not, I think that'll you know his first half of the season will dictate that if he gets you know invited back or whatnot. But yeah, so like I said, all you want to see these kids are grow and mature and and develop and. He's got a three-year window here to do it now. He's, you know, and he's on the kind of, you know, he's not on the clock yet. But he's, you know, you get after this year now, and you know, shame on him if he doesn't learn from his mistakes from last year. You know, right? Certainly. And so, uh, you know, obviously he's going to Quinnipiac again yeah. to, to to be the number one goaltender. I know we're running out of time. I have kept you a little bit longer. Yeah, that's Jeff, okay. And, no worries. Uh, so let, let's go with the two Swedish guys. Uh, Swedish guys. I, it's. <laughs> Swedish goaltenders that you, uh, uh, third round pick, 84th overall in the 2018 uh, 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 Jesper Eliasson. Uh, certainly a guy that, uh, you know, from talking to uh, Hocken Anderson was pretty high on the Red Wings list. You seem pretty happy. Do you, because, you know, you're pretty much, once the season starts, you're pretty much here in Detroit. 
know much about him, or do you just, uh, is that, hey, you know, the draft is not really what I do. You know, you draft him, I'm the guy that coaches yeah, him. Yeah, and you know what, um, Brian does a pretty good job of formulating the list with uh, with Maskin, who's our right. Swedish goalie scout. So they, they get together, you know, Maskin's got a good feel for the European goalies over there. Obviously, Brian doesn't get over to see him, but... Both those guys did a really good job of uh, providing video with me of these guys I can watch. And, you know, at the end of the day, things happen at the draft. Guys are available. They're not available. Uh, to get Jesper, you know what, it was, you know, our Swedish guy really believed in him. Um, and I just actually had a talk with another NHL goalie scout that's here, that's here this week, and he really liked him. He said, we feel we got a real good one there. You know, um, Jesper was surprised that he went as high as he did. But, you know, if you get a guy you like and you want to make sure you get him and and, you know, we got him. So, yeah, it was good. He had a good camp. Um, it's tough for us with these guys coming over for, for the development camp because they don't have a lot, a lot of ice in Sweden. So him and Victor Brostrom, they hadn't skated in, in weeks, months. You know, it was, it was 12 weeks. It was 10 weeks. So that's a long time. They came in, got their legs under them, and they're both great kids in size. You know, this kid's 6'3 and, and change, and Brostrom 6'5. Like, it's so... You know, it's real exciting to have, you know, to keep stockpiling these guys. We'll draft another one next year, and now we're starting to take guys in the third round. And, you know, if we see a franchise guy out there next, you never know. It might be, you know, I think there's going to be a first-round goalie available next year. You never know, you know, so. Well, with the, with Eliasson and Bratstrom, their, their timeline is it's still in Europe, see how they develop, and then decide when to bring them over to yeah. North America? Exactly. There's there's no rush. Jesper's going to play for a real good junior team in uh, Sweden, and actually Victor Brodstrom's playing in the pro league over there, the, the SHL in the in the big boy league over there. So, um, and he's a little older at 20. I, think, I want to say someone told me he was the oldest player drafted in the draft this year. Um, so you know what? It's just they're not all going to ever play for the Red Wings, you know. But like I said, if we can hit on one or two of these guys, and they can become pros for us for a long time, and uh, you know, it's you know, I think like. We got Peter Mrazek, fifth-round pick. You know, we got some mileage out of him. Uh, you know, they're not all high-round picks. I think Jimmy was a second-round pick, I believe. So that's high for a goalie. Um, you know, and it might be we're looking in a couple of years that, you know, you're taking a guy in the first round. And, and they're not, there aren't many teams willing to use a first-round pick on a goaltender. You have seen that the last first-round pick was four years ago, I think, was Samsonov, Washington took. And they're just getting him over from Russia now right, to right. play in Hershey. But he is a really high, high, high end. He is. Talent. We really liked him, and there was talk about us taking him. I believe we had the nineteen or twenty pick, and Washington took him like two picks, you know, later. I think it was later we passed on him. But um, yeah, you know what? It's it's such a competitive position, and all these kids moving forward, you know, they always got to take a peek over their shoulder because, you know what? For those two Swedes we took this year with Ellison and Brodstrom, we're, we're going to be taking another goalie next year probably, you know, and then the year after that. And so it's it's a good competition and a good problem to have. You, you mentioned Brian Mahoney-Wilson, who's the Red Wings development coach based in Grand Rapids. He goes to Grand Rapids. He goes to Toledo a little bit. He'll work with Caden Fulcher. Uh, then goes out and tries to, you know, he's the traveling man, I yeah. guess, so to speak, in the organization. Once the season starts or your job or if, if there's – a prospect or somebody maybe struggling or having, would you leave the Red Wings to go maybe for a weekend just to talk to somebody? But it's such an important position. I mean, you, yeah. you're going to have your hands full, not that they're, yeah. you know, high-maintenance guys with Jimmy and Bernier. Yeah, you know, and that's the schedule doesn't allow for a lot of that. You know, I got to Grand Rapids this year to watch a couple games. It's more for support than anything. They're in good, they're in really good shape with Brian there. Um, so, you know what, and Toledo's not far, I can get to Toledo, you know. So, you know, this year, you know, I'll get with Beamer again. If there's times he can't get to Toledo, maybe I shoot down and see Fulch, you know, for a morning session or, you know, if we were a day off or something. And, um, you know, and if there's scouting, if there's guys coming through Windsor or Saginaw that I can go, if I anyway can help out and get a tech, an extra peek. I know a couple years ago I was watching DiPietro a lot because he was mm. highly ranked goalie, so I was getting over to Windsor a lot. And, you know, and obviously Jim Bedard had him there at the time. Um, you know, but it's a lot of this scouting is video these days. Beamer and I get a lot of video uh, <laughs> sent to us, and he does a great job of, you know, sending it to me. So it's something to watch on the plane a little bit here and there and keep up with these guys, and it's always good to, you know, kind of stay in the loop with all that. Jeff, one final question, and this is not really hockey-related. I mean, you know, you get accolades. You're considered perhaps uh, you're, you're one of the, the best goalie coaches in the league, and uh, but – 
you are hands down have the best hair in hockey. Uh, does it look that way when you roll out of bed? Do you work on it much, or are you just naturally gifted? It's uh, you know my dad has a great set, head of hair. I think I you know I, I got the genetics from him. And uh, guys were joking this week about me having to put a helmet on my on my head. They call it the Lego helmet hair. And it doesn't move. Uh, but it's a pretty good product they have down at our rink. We got these good hair creams and all this different stuff. So I always grab one or two here, here or there, and uh, from the guys at the down at the LCA. <laughs> really, so but you don't work on it that much. You no, know? it's not. I keep it short. I don't want to get over the ears. They got these little gray ones coming in the side right now. That's from the last two years up here, probably. <laughs> well, really, you, you know, when my hair started to change, I don't say it's gray. I say it's blonde. It's blonde. Yeah, it just looks like a blonde. For oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, definitely, <laughs> Jeff. So, really, to sum it all up, it, it, it appears you know you, you seem very pleased that obviously it, the Red Wings are going through a little bit of a retooling. It looks like the goalie position. Uh, there are some legitimate prospects. That may, maybe they're not in Detroit overnight yet. It appears that people, because I get asked about the goaltending situation a lot by Red Wing fans. It appears that it's well on its way to reestablishing itself and that uh, uh, don't, don't, don't be too worried, Red Wing fans. There, there, there is some talent uh, in the pipeline now. Absolutely. I think, like I said, we have the depth. And you know, like I said, we are, we're, our guys are doing a good job scouting goalies. And I think we're doing a good job developing them. Um, you know, for us to get Jared Crow had one win out of 20 games his rookie year. And look where he's played. Right. Uh, 20-some, almost 25 NHL games in two years, and he's now he's gone on to Anaheim. You know, it's an example. Um, Peter Mrazek played maybe parts of a couple years in Grand Rapids. How many NHL games he's had. So you know what? You, these guys that you draft and you sign as free agents, that's what you want to see them. You want to see them get up there and, and get a shot and, and earn their opportunity. Tommy McCollum's had some time up for us and, um, and whatnot. And, you know, I wish those two guys all the best, by the way, moving forward. But it's just, it's no different this year, you know. Like, uh, you know, Rybar was a, a free agent signing for us, so there's a guy that, you know, what he could, you know, we want to see him compete down there in battle and get better, and then hopefully someday we'll, you know, see those guys up top with us. Really? Now, when they get comfortable enough with you, when they figure out, oh, well, Sal's a great guy, do they ask you hair tips? <laughs> um, how is how is he's he's losing a little bit of his? He he's hanging on. Uh, Bernier, he's got his shape pretty tight, so he's he's got his buzz down. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know what kind of hair, head of hair Satari's got or Rybar for that matter, but uh, looks like Rybar's got some. He's got some flow to him, I think. Uh, and definitely Larson. He's you know he's we got we've got to tame his down a bit. His is getting out of control, so I'll have to take him under my wing and take him to the chop shop. <laughs> I know you don't deal with the forwards or defensemen, but how about Setkoff? I mean that kid's hair is incredible. Yeah, I'm not a big fan myself with that, with the long hair. I got two young boys that I tell them once it gets hanging out of the helmet or over the ears, we're going to sports clips getting a cut. <laughs> All right, Jim, I, I guess I'm obsessed with hair, but uh, that'll do it for uh, for this edition of the Red Wine Authority. I really appreciate you taking time, but I know it's been no busy. Problem. You've been no. doing all kinds of things, and you know, you're involved here with USA Hockey this week, and so I do appreciate it, and uh, thank you very much. No problem. Thanks, Art.